Father, we just come before you and we ask that you would brood over this place. God, that your spirit would come and hover over this place like you did in the beginning. God, before you did that creative work, you came and you brooded over the waters when there was nothing. God, and make our hearts like that today. Make our hearts be that nothing that you come and hover over, that you want to come create in. Father, that you want to do a work in today, oh Father. So we just pray that you would come, that you would meet us, that you would reveal your heart to us, the things that you long for, the things that you thought of from the beginning, would you reveal them to us, oh God? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're done. That's it. I'm just kidding. All right, so I just want to start off um, today by kind of sharing kind of something that's, hap- that's been going on with me throughout this year something that a journey that God has been taking me through um, since before 2019 but and through, throughout all its entirety so far you know at the beginning of this year I was at a conference with a few of our friends and um, it's it's a Christian conference um, in Kansas City Missouri most random place ever but there's 20,000 believers 20,000 plus gathered in a convention center like 50 times bigger than this room Right, I can't even like explain the scale when you go when you go there, and you realize like, wow, like man, these people love Jesus. They're here to meet with God. They're here to know who He is. Right, and over five days we're there, and like people are pouring their hearts out. You know, all we do all day is pray, worship, listen to sermons, eat, not shower every day, repeat. Right, but that's it. That's what we did for five days. Right? And you would think, being there, I would, I would be excited. Like, I paid money to go there. I, I rented a car. You know, I rented, a, I rented an Airbnb. You would think I was excited. Right? But I was there for five days looking into myself and seeing something that was really disturbing in me. Right? For five days, as people were pouring their hearts out before God... I can tell you the honest truth that I felt nothing. This was the thing I was struggling with in 2018 and throughout a lot of this year too. And God's been really meeting me in this area. But during that conference, I felt nothing. I was like, God, man, these people, this is so awesome. This is like the greatest worship ever. Some of the greatest preachers I've ever heard. I feel nothing, right? God, what's wrong with me? Like, I, and then throughout that five days, what I came to was, God, I just want to feel something. You don't, you don't have to say anything to me. You don't need to, you know, I don't need some great deep revelation. Like, I just want to feel something, right? And I don't know, some of you may be in that place today. Some of you may, you know, be in that place where you're so excited about your faith. And that's good. I like that. I love that, right? I'm into that. But I want to speak to the people here who are disconnected, right, who don't feel anything when they come to church, when they serve in ministry, when they go to prayer meeting, when they lead worship. I was leading worship, you know. I would lead prayer meeting worship, and I would feel nothing, you know, in the name of being faithful, in the name of being a steward of the things that God has called me to, right? And I, I just want to put those up front because it's very real, right? It's very real for us as believers to feel these things or lack thereof, right? But uh, the part of being in this community, being in this group of people is we have to testify to each other of the goodness of God, of who he is, of what he's really like. So I kind of want to take us on that journey today of what has really spoken to me and is what has really worked in my heart to, to change this um, in me. So I want to um, bring us to a, a, a scripture that's been really special to me in this. Um, it's a scripture that goes beyond just, you know, this sermon and this year. It's something that I've always kind of gravitated towards in my spiritual life. Something that, like, is just like, wow, this is, this is it, right? So I want to highlight um, John chapter 17, verses 24 um, to the end of the chapter. Might be on the screen, all right? So I'm just going to read it out. Father, I want those who you... This is Jesus speaking, right? The night before he went to go to the cross. He said, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. 
I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Man, this, that's just it, right? I feel like if there's something that I always come back to in my faith is just all of John 17, really. I don't have enough time. And for the, for the sake of time, I cut it down to three verses because there's just so much in this. There's so much going on in here that if we read it lightly, we're going to miss so much of God's heart. And so that brings us to John 17. Man, this is like the prayer of prayers, right? This is the night before Jesus went to go die on the cross. The night before he knew he was going to suffer, he was going to be betrayed. You know, all these things. And... I think one thing that we can't gloss over is this is like one of the few instances and arguably the longest instance in the Bible where we see the exact words that Jesus prayed. You know, you know, tell me differently. This is the longest, you know, we've heard Jesus like say a lot of things, but there's very few times where we see him talk to God the Father. Now, let me highlight this real quick. This is God, Jesus the Son, talking to God the Father through God the Holy Spirit, three in one in one place. Like this is something that we can't just like, whoop. <laughs> you know, let's go, to the, let's go to the next part where Jesus dies for our sins. Like this is highlighting something so deep in his heart that we cannot miss it, right? Like this is Jesus literally like opening the window of his heart in this prayer. And he's just, he's inviting us in. Right, and he's in, he's he's just drawing us in and saying, "Are you? Will you come and understand my heart?" Right, because I think so much of our Christian lives, we wonder, like, "Does God love me? How much does God love me?" You know, and and this is the answer to that. But I want to just take a different angle on it today, right? So as we're going into it, remember, God talking to God through God. This is something that we should probably pay attention to, <laughs> right? So. Jesus, the first thing he says in, in, you know, in the passages that I chose was, Father, I desire. Father, I desire. Is that how it is in the verse that was on there? It's Father, I desire. Man, like, have you guys ever thought of this? Have you ever thought, like, God wants something? Like, God is unchanging. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. He's always existed, like he doesn't exist in time, he wants something. There's something so deep in there. You know what I mean? Like, this is God. It's not just like your friend. It's not, it's even even more so than like your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Like, man, God desires something, you know? And it's like, oh my God, God has longing. Like you think, we, we know that God is perfect. I think we can all agree, like God is perfect in all of his ways. Like if, you say, if you've been here long enough, you've seen that a million times, right? And, we, and I think we believe it, we know it, but man, to think that a perfect God has an unfulfilled desire in his heart. Wow, wow. God has an unfulfilled desire in his heart. For what? For what? You know? He says, Father, I want the, I desire those whom you've given me. Like I could, I could just talk about this for the rest of the sermon, but there's too much to go through, so I can't. But the very thing that God desires is us, is his church, his bride. You, me, like in our, in our brokenness, in our like fallen humanity, this is what God desires. This is what Jesus went to the cross for. Right? And I think, you know, I, I think a lot of times you want the preacher to build it up to the very end and say, like, this is what it was. I'm going to just cut to the chase. This is what broke through for me. When you realize that God has a desire for you, for you and, and who you are and all the imperfections that you see in yourself, man, that the God of the universe who has everything, who's created everything, he looks into you, he looks into your heart, he looks into your mind, he looks into every part of your being and says, I want that. He looks into the church today that's broken into a million denominations who can't agree on their, their theology and he says, her, I want that. That's the very thing I desire, 
you know? And the thing is like, Jesus didn't have to, God didn't have to. He didn't have to create us. He didn't have to. Think about the beginning before anything created, what was there? Like, go back to the beginning of the beginning of creation, okay? And let's just, let's just pretend that time existed back then, right? Go back 100 years. What was there? God. God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in perfect communion. I love you. I love you. I love you. Three in a circle, just perfect communion. They didn't need anything, you know? Go back a 1,000 years. What was there? God. I love you. Perfect communion. Go back a million years from that. What was there? Man, God. But you know what? And then maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe God didn't always have this thought, but he was like, you know what? I wanna, I wanna, let's bring something, someone else into this party. Let's bring somebody else into this. He's like, and he's like, you know, son, God the Father is being like, you know, son, I love you so much. We're going we're gonna to create a plan. We're going to do this thing that's going to glorify you, but it's also going to give you the perfect partner. Hmm. You know, and they didn't have to, but they did. Like God did, not they, he, God did, right? And, and doesn't this color the gospel in just a, such a different way for us? Realizing that like God didn't have to, but he did. He didn't go to the cross to die for us because he thought it was the right thing to do. He didn't go because it was like, oh man, I feel bad for these people. You know, I feel bad because they can't live the life that I could come live on earth. No, Jesus died on the cross because he had a desire for us. And that's the thing that changes everything, you know, about our faith. And when we forget that, there's just like no meaning in the things that we do. Because it's like, like Matt was saying it earlier, we love because he loved us first. If we try to love without him having that awareness, that tenderness, the joy, like the delight that comes when God's like, I love you. Like, what, what is this all for? You know what I mean? And I think more than just showing his desire, like I, I think, and more than just the, the longing, I think when you pair that with the feelings that come with that fulfilled, right? When we, like, there's a few scriptures that I always go to to when I feel like disconnected from this tender love that God has for us. You know, and some of us may never feel these things. Some of us may look at God and go to our quiet time and never feel anything. And I wanna encourage you that like, there's so much more if we search for it, if we go after it, you know, like a lot of times when I speak, like I want, there's, there's this thing in me that wants people to feel like I want them to be entertained, you know? But today I really felt the conviction that God just wants to like punch you in the heart. He wants to like go into your chest and, and like grab your heart and say, this is mine. This is what I've wanted all this time, you know? You know, and he, even more than that, God rejoices over us and he celebrates us. And like, there's like people who are like, nah, God doesn't do that over me. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. If that's not the God that you know, what God do you know? Right? Isaiah 62, no longer will they be called desolate or <laughs> call you deserted or your land desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah, your land Balua. For the Lord will, it's, Hephzibah means I will delight in you right? And that you will be married, your land will be married. Man, like, this is God. And this is what I came to testify of today, it is not just to, like, teach a good lesson, but to really to testify of who Jesus is, of who God really is. Because I think more than anything in the world today as Christians, that's what we need, right? Like, a lot of people come and look at our, what we believe, and they, they, they make that out to be like, yeah, that's who God is, you know, God's a bigot. You know, you're, once you become a Christian, you become a bigot. When you become a Christian, you become intolerant. But you don't understand that when we love God and we love him for who he is, it's not that we just blindly agree. We agree with his leadership because we love him. We agree with what he says because we know who he is, right? And then people who don't know are going to disagree. And that's okay. We're supposed to be hated in the world, right? But don't be hated in the world without being connected to the love and the desire of God, 
right? The problem is we go into the world thinking, man, people aren't going to like me. But the problem is you don't feel connected to the love of God. So the thing that matters is what people say and what people think and what, you know, the next person says, right, about who you are, right? And this is the next point. Like the doubters at this point are going to be like, man, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. Like, you don't, God can't, God can't love someone like me. You know, like, let me tell you, like, (laughs) I feel like a lot of times we don't know how broken we are, right? I remember the word, like, the first time I was ever confronted with, like, how bad I was as a human (laughs) is I used to go to summer camp, and there was a soda machine, Everyone bought soda except me. It's only a quarter. It's only a quarter. But I remember, I remember where my, like, my mom owns a business. I stole a roll of quarters from my mom. And I, I went and I, like, started buying soda every week. And she's like, where'd you get that? She's like, I was like, mm-hmm. Like, my friend. My friend is giving me a quarter every day to buy soda. Actually, it's, like, pretty believable if you think about it. But, like, she was like, okay. Like, show it to, like, I want to meet this friend. After like one week of free sodas, she's like, I was like, oh god, oh god. I was like, um, he just gave me the money. He, I don't like, he doesn't buy for me every day. He's just really nice. And she's like, okay. I was like, you know, as a kid, like you're trying to find the reasons. And and then she's like, okay, like so, where's this friend? I'm like, uh, I don't know. Actually, I, you know, I just found this. I just found the quarters. I just found this money. She's like, okay, show me where. And like she, t- she literally drives me to the school, where where my summer camp was. She's like, take me to that spot. You know, and I'm going to go into more examples. This is just, a, just one of them. She's like, take me to this spot. And I go and I take her to this random spot in our field. I'm like, I found her right there. <laughs> She's like, are you lying to me? And I was like, no, 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 no. She's like, do you know what? And this is like, this is really traumatizing as a kid. But I feel like the fear of the Lord was struck into me through my mom. She's not a Christian, by the way. So, but still honor your parents. She said, you know what happens to people who steal? She's like, let me show you. Come with me. She puts me in the car. We literally drive to the police station. We park outside and she goes, hey, do you wanna go in there? Cause that's what happens to people who steal. They go in there, I was like, no. I was like, no, right? But even from a young age, like we are introduced to our sin, right? We are well acquainted with the parts of our lives that are dirty, that are disgusting, that are just, not in line with what the word of God says. You know, and people are like, okay, you were a kid, whatever. Not a big deal, all right? Let me tell you more about myself, just to put it in perspective, all right? When I was in high school, I was a straight-A student. That's probably not what you wanted to hear. (laughs) I had an over a 4.0, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I was like an athlete, whatever. I also smoked weed like five times a day. I was literally high like every day of the week, all the time. I would literally tutor people while I was high and I'd be like, why don't you get this? I'd be like, what? It's so easy, right? But this only shows you more about me. It shows you I'm prideful. It shows you that I think I'm smart, that I'm a somebody, right? Like in, throughout my life, I've dealt with more. I, I've struggled with sexual sin. You know, I've lied, I've cheated, like, you name it, it's out there, right? Like, I don't want to distance my, I don't want this pulpit and this place to distance me from you. We're all the same, you know, and that is why the gospel, that's why we all need the gospel. Like, if, if the gospel could change me, if the gospel could transform someone like me, who are you to think that the, the power of the, of the cross cannot change you, Right? And, and ultimately, this is, like, to bring us back to this idea of desire. Man, like, God saw before me how evil I would be. You know, he saw each one of us before we were created. He actually saw what we would be like. He saw our sin. He, he sees our sin even today. I still struggle with sin, right? We, he still sees it, and he chooses not to remember. But he chooses to remember, man, like, I have desire for you. I look in, like, if you only you'll look into my eyes and see what I really feel, right? Like, the enemy wants us to feel disconnected from that. He wants us to feel, you know, distant from that. He wants to tear us away from God. 
but only if we knew what he really felt, right? <sighs> part one. That was part one. <laughs> All right. You know, and I think I love this. There's so much in these verses. I just want to keep talking about it. So I will, right? And he says, Father, I desire that, you know, those who you have given me would be with me where I am. So not only does he want us to be with him, right? Like, just sit there and do nothing, right? He doesn't want that. He says, I want them to see my glory. I want them to be with me where I am to see my glory. Man, going back to the creation story, like God was always there. The father, son, always there. They had a plan. And you know, God, the father, have you ever thought about this? Like how much, I'm getting into the later part of my sermon already. Um, too early, but I'm just thinking about it. It's just so, like, whoa. Like, have you ever thought about how God, the Father, how much he loves Jesus, his son? Like, how much do you think? Like, just try to imagine, like, try to quantify, like, is it even possible to know? You know, like, think about our, our love for Jesus. Like, it's weak, yes, but it's real. My love is real. God, even when it's weak, even when I suck, you know, but like think about that and that sliver of love that we have for God. And then not to like degrade yourself, but think about how much God the Father looks on his son with like adoration, with pleasure. You know, like if you're a parent, you probably know. I mean, most of the time, that's probably how you feel about your kids, right? It's like, wow, you know. And like, so this always was there. Like God always had it in his heart, you know, like to reveal his son Jesus to us, to the world, to all the, his creation, you know? And I illustrate this by reading Psalm, a part of Psalm 2, right? So this is a, a Psalm of King David, right? And I'll, I'll read it first and I'll explain it second. And then it says, he said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I'll give you the nation, make the nations your inheritance and the ends of your earth your possession. I don't know if you guys have read Psalm 2, but you probably skipped over it, right? <laughs> or you probably read it and you're like, what the heck? <laughs> like, do you, is this really God talking to David? Like, who is talking right here? What do you think is going on? What's going on here is King David is listening to a conversation that God is having with, or the father is having with the son. God is saying, the father is saying, man, you're my son. Ask me and I'll make everything yours. I'll make everything yours. You know, I'll make the nations your inheritance. I'll make everything yours. And that's just a glimpse into it, right? And like for so many years, I just like glossed over that because I was like, I don't know what that means, God, like whatever. But then it dawned on me like, man, God the Father loves Jesus, his son. He wants to bring him to that place of glory. But that brings us back to where we are now. Like Jesus wants us to know his glory. You know, and if, if your friend came up and asked you today, like, hey, man, what is glory? What's God's glory? What would you say? Uh, You know, the thing with the God, you know, you would say something like probably that makes no sense because glory is an inherently hard thing to describe, right? But for all intents and purposes, let's go with the biblical definition of glory through the translated Greek. It's position, substance, magnificence, majesty, dignity, weight. Man, glory is a pretty awesome thing. And Jesus wants us to be with him in his glory. Have you ever like thought of that? Like, I'll get there more, but man, Jesus wants, not only does he want us like to have that relationship with him, but like, we're behind, like we only see Jesus through a veil right now. We only know part of him. Like we've only seen part of him. Jesus is like, I want you to see the whole thing, you know? Like, Jesus wants us to see what Moses wasn't able to see, right? Like, when Moses was in the rock, and he's like, God, please pass by me. Please. If it's the last thing that happens to me, like, that's what I desire. So God was like, okay, fine. But if I show you my face, I'll kill you. (laughs) Right? Some of us actually need that. Some of us do need to see the face of God and die, like, in our flesh. But the reality is God covered the rock with, like, with his hand, and then he's like, okay, well, hold on. I'm going to show you my butt. <laughs> I'm going to show you my back. <laughs> I'm going to show you my back. And even then, like, do you know what pisses me off about the Bible? 
Like, oh, oh, he's going there. Do you know what pisses me off about that, that, those verses in Exodus? God walks by Moses, and then Moses writes nothing afterwards. I was like, what happened there? God, what happened? Moses, wake up. He probably passed out, and he just, he was like, honestly, I blacked out. I'm like, why? That's like the one time that Moses could have told us, like, what Jesus looks like, like, what he looks like. You know, like, the only really thing throughout most of the Bible that it says about Jesus that we know is, like, Jesus was ugly. Like, that's literally the only thing. Like, in his human person, like, Jesus wasn't a good-looking guy. You know, he wasn't like King David, who was, like, known to be, like, good-looking. You know, he probably wasn't the cream of the crop back then, you know? So what am I talking about? <laughs> the glory of God, right? So let's talk, let's, using that definition of glory, substance, magnificence, majesty, all these things, Jesus was to be glorified by the Father. The, God, the Father wanted to give him glory. So how did that happen? right? The first one is, obviously, we all know, yet we still, like, forget, like, on the cross, Jesus had, Jesus, I just sounded so Korean just there, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I said it like, like, <laughs> on the cross, where God shows his, so on the cross, Jesus received glory, right? By showing who he really was, like the cross showed his majesty, it showed his humility, it showed his love for us. Man, like if these are things that don't glorify God, like what does, right? More than that, it shows that he, could, he overcame the sin of, or first, he lived a life that no human was ever able to live, right? Like dang, all the times I, I, I think about it, every time that you wrestled with sin and you fell into it, Jesus would have stood there and be like, nah, I'm good, right? He was able to live the life that we couldn't live. He lived a righteous life, a holy life for our sake to show us that what could, what humanity could be, right? He overcame the sins of the world. He eventually died for our sins. Why? So that we could be forgiven, right? And that we could ultimately be reconciled to God. Do you see where this ties back to what I was talking about before? He had desire, so he had to die. Right? It wasn't just a good idea. Like, this was the only way Jesus could be with you and me. This is the only way that the church could be with Jesus one day. Okay, so all, other than that, let me just list more things because it's, there's too many to count. He disarmed the powers of hell. That's like, I don't know anyone else who could have done that, right? He laid his life down. He sacrificed for people he didn't have to. Man crazy, right? But we also see the glory of Jesus in his resurrection, right? Jesus overcame death. Oh my God, like, hello? How many times do we read that and have no reaction? Jesus literally, like, he was wrapped up in a tomb and he disappeared, you know? He literally overcame death. And I know it's like so commonplace for us, but I hate that. I hate that it's so commonplace. I hate that it's become so normal. I hate that the miracles and the power of God have become such a thing in our lives that it's like, eh, that's cool. I'll read my Bible tomorrow, right? You know, and ultimately, this shows us what? That we actually don't understand the glory of God. We don't understand how amazing he is. We do in part, but we forget in part. So the little that we have, we forget a lot of that too, right? So I want you to take a minute as we go do this exercise of imagining what Jesus looks like. I know what most of you see. I Granted, I know what like 90% of you see. You probably see this tall, white man with long brown hair, with a mustache and a brown beard, in a white robe. Tell me I'm wrong. The reality is that's the image that we have of God, right? Like that's the image that the world has created, that he's like this prototype, you know? Or in like you see it in movies, it's like there's Korean Jesus, there's Vietnamese Jesus, there's like black Jesus, there's, you know, like we have the wrong image of God. Right? So let me kind of recalibrate us to what he looks like and talk about him in his glory. Right? 
So a lot of us, sometimes when we picture Jesus, we think he's, we look at him and we see him on the cross. Okay. A lot of us, some of us see him as like that child. Some of us see many things. But the only example in the Bible that I know of that gives a clear picture of what Jesus looks like is in Revelation. The only one. And the worst part is that people don't read Revelation a lot, which kind of sucks because like we, li- we go through this entire story of the Bible. We go through this God's ornate plan to glorify Jesus, and we stop after we've been saved. We're like, yes, I'm saved, I'm good, done, the end, right? But then let me tell you about the glorified Jesus, and then I can go on my rants a little longer. What, let me just talk about him. He's, pretty, he's amazing. What does he look like? Jesus has eyes of fire. Like, actually, before I go into this, no, I'll talk about it after. He has eyes of fire. He has hair that's white as wool. It says his voice is like the sound of rushing waters. Jesus holds seven stars in his hand. He has a sword, a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. It's like, whoa, this is not the God I know. This is not the God I see in my, in my prayer closet. It says his face shines like the sun. It says he holds the keys to death in Hades. It says there's a rainbow around his throne. It's that he's made a sea that looks like glass that sits in front of him in heaven. It says that he has myriads of angels all around him saying, holy, holy, holy. This is the God that I want all of us to know as a house. This is the Jesus that I want us to picture when we think of the desire of God. If your Jesus looks like a weak dude who's just like, I'm coming to earth to save the people. I'm going to do my best, God. Like, what is his desire going to mean? You know, but when you realize whose whose desire we're looking into, whose heart we're looking into, you're like, dang, I'm worth something. You know, like, I'm loved by someone greater than anyone else I could imagine. And... You know, for those of you who are, you Bible scholars out there, some people might read Revelation and say, man, isn't Revelation just symbolic? Like all that dragon and birth stuff and all these plagues and all these things that are going to happen. Debatable. I won't go into that all right now. But I want to tell you why I think that this is the real version of Jesus that we're supposed to keep our eyes fixed on. Do you guys know the transfiguration story? What happens? So Jesus goes up to the mountain with three of his closest disciples. And then like out of nowhere, they're like praying out of nowhere. The dude's face goes radioactive. And he all of a sudden he's wearing a white robe and he's like blinding light clean, right? It says like his, his face was like lightning, right? It's like the sun, right? And that's, the old, that's like the glorified Jesus. He showed, a two shield, he showed them a glimpse. And you know what he said? He said, people can't know this until after I die and I come back to life. So this is the Jesus. This is who, how he was describing himself. He was like, this is who I really am. Do you see me? Do you know me? Is this whose desire? Like now you know. You know, they won't know, but now we know. So all in all, go read Revelation. Because that's like the only way you can know what Jesus really likes, looks like. Whose glory we're actually joining into. It's like, I want to be in his, in his glory. Like, I want to be there. I want to stand in his throne room where angels are everywhere worshiping him. And you know what? The crazy thing is, it's not just that. It's like, we're co-heirs with that king. That's what Daniel was talking about, right? You realize like, wow, we're attached to him. He's identified himself with us, Right? Wow, I'm just preaching to myself out here. Everyone's so quiet. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, but Jesus ultimately wants us to see him without that veil. Like, we only see him in part now. But I want to continue on this, like, idea of revelation and seeing his glory, right? I was complaining earlier about how many of us go to that place. We're, We're in that place of, like, yes, I'm saved. I need to lead other people to Christ. But to what end, Right? If you don't read Revelation, you actually miss out on the entire story of the gospel, right? Like, the gospel isn't just Jesus died on the cross, he was resurrected, and so now you can have relationship with him. That is most of it. But let me just read what happens in Revelation 
in order to show you why I think that's not a complete picture, okay? It's not yet complete because Jesus is, like, he says he's going to come back. One of the things he talked about the most while he was here was the age to come. And if you don't think about the age to come, there, I mean, who knows? Jesus could come back soon and all the things in Revelation would, could take place now. Would you be ready? Would you be ready? Like when there's mass persecution in the world against Christians and people are killing people because of their faith, would you be able to hold on to this God? Like this is why I want to highlight this and I'm just living off the promise where Jesus said, blessed is he who's, who, tes- who reads this out loud, right? Uh, the, the prophecy of Revelation, but Jesus is going to come back, you know? I only got one amen. <laughs> if that doesn't excite you, what does? What's the point of being a Christian if it's just us dying? Jesus is going to return one day. Jesus is going to put Satan in prison. Did you know that? Did you know that he's going he's gonna to throw Satan in prison? It's like, who can do that? It says he's eventually going to throw Satan into a lake of fire and sulfur, where he's going to be tormented forever. Like, the tormentor is going to be tormented forever. Like, how glorious is God if, he's, if that's what he's planning to do, right? It's, the next thing, these just gets better and better. Like, just go read it for yourself. Heaven is going to come down to earth. There's going to be a wedding where Jesus and his, his purified church are going to be one. Oh, my gosh, guys. He's going to wipe every tear away. There's going to be no more mourning. Death is not going to exist anymore. Crying, pain, all these things, they're not going to exist. But put this in line with, the, or put, line this up with the gospel. Think about the other side of what's going to happen if Jesus didn't do what he did. Like, reverse all of this. This is what hell is like. Right? It's called a place of weeping, gnashing of teeth. Right? Like, I need to say this because I don't want to give, falsify like, the testimony of Jesus by saying, like, it's all good. If you don't know God, I'm sorry. It's scary. Yeah. You know? But the reality is there's a way. There's a way out of, okay, I'm just going to say it. Like, if you don't know God, you're actually going to be in the lake of fire and sulfur with the devil. I'm not lying. Go read the Bible. If you don't believe it, take it up with God. Go tell him he's wrong. But I need to say these things because, like, this is what the Lord told me to speak of today. Like, I don't want to speak on, I'm not trying to be super practical today because, like, this is, like, the core of Christianity. And I feel like we need to remember it. You know, and the last thing, after all these things, man, we will be with God forever. This is what Jesus was longing for. He said, Father, I desire that they would be with me where I am, that they might see my glory. This is what he's talking about. This is what he means when he's basically giving God a last demand before he goes to the cross. He's saying, this is what I want. Like, actually, if you read the beginning of John 17, Jesus already talks like it's already done. It's it's pretty weird. It's like, you haven't even died yet. Relax. You know, but he says this. He says, God, this is what I want. This is what we've been planning from the beginning. This is what you want to give. As your, as your son, like you've loved me since the beginning. I've known your heart. I've known your love. Oh, man, I'm going long. This is what I want. Now, if this doesn't excite you, I genuinely don't know what can. As a Christian, if this doesn't move something in your heart, if it doesn't break through that like complacency that you have, like I just don't know. I, I don't know, right? And I think this is when it, you realize, man, like the Bible's a lot like a mirror. I think PB said this before. I'm sure he didn't come up with it because I heard it before. <laughs> but the Bible is like a mirror. When you read it and when it speaks to you, your reaction to it is actually God showing you what your heart is like. He's actually showing you what your spirit is like, like what, who you are on your inner man. Are you vibrant and alive and aware? Or are you dead? Are you bored? Are you like, are you uninterested, right? 
this is the true gospel. This is the true plan of God. Like ever from the beginning, from creation, through Exodus, through, you know, the times of the kings, through the prophets, through the New Testament, this is what Jesus was trying to unfold. And if we just don't get it and we try to figure out, man, like the right things to do in life, the things that, you know, try to be a good person, try to be a good Christian, like we seriously miss the point, right? So please examine your own heart. Come before God. Repent if you need to. Rejoice if you already are aware. You know, do what you need to do, right? So that's that. The last thing is I want to talk about, like, our response in a way. It's kind of. All right. Um, so I want to start this part off with a more lighthearted story because I've just been, like, yelling at you guys for <clears throat> the last, like, 30 minutes. Um, like a month or two ago, um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Spider-Man came out. It was the bomb, not gonna lie. Shameless plug, go watch it if you haven't. <laughs> He's also my favorite superhero, I'm such a nerd, okay. Um, but you know, like a month or two ago, it was released, and this was like the next day that it came out. I hadn't watched it yet, and I was sitting at work, um, being, like being an engineer as usual, just like looking at my screen, typing away, and it was like Friday at like two o'clock, I was definitely not done with work, and I definitely had more stuff to do. But, you know, out of nowhere, I got this thought. I was like, you know, I should ask Emily and see if she wants to go to Spider-Man. Emily is my beautiful wife sitting right here. <clears throat> um, you know, and so I texted her, and I'm like, hey, babe, <laughs> you want to go watch Spider-Man? And you know what her response was? No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, her response was, oh my God, I was literally holding the phone and I saw you typing and I was about to ask you if I could go, if you could take me on a date to go watch Spider-Man. I was like, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like for all the ways that every husband or boyfriend falls short in being the man that they aspire to be, like in their glory, those are the moments where it's like, yes. I done good. I did it. I did it right, you know. And that was like, it's so funny. It's such a small moment, and it like sticks with both of us. Like we even still talk about it. We're like, remember that time? Like hopefully it's not the only time that we remember. Like a year from now or something. Hopefully next time I preach, I have more of those. But I realized like it really dawned on me in that moment where. Every single one of us has like a desire to be loved the way that we want to be loved, you know? When someone, you know, think about yourself, like someone got you the right gift, they said the right thing. I always think about this in the context of like women getting stuff or like getting the right thing, but like, okay, for guys, maybe you too. <laughs> um, like think, it's like so awesome when you're loved the right way. When like they push the right button and Thank God, not the wrong one, again, you know? I wasn't directing that at you or anything. Um, but I, I'm fairly certain that we also don't know that the way that Jesus longs to be loved. Um, it's kind of weird because so much of us spend our time loving God. We spend our, some of our thoughts trying to be with him and please him. So let me read the last thing in, in John, and uh, we can kind of keep moving along here. So it says, I made known to them your name, and I'll continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. Strange. Jesus doesn't say, man, I really wish, hope they love me. It's the love that with you, which you have loved me, the Father has loved me, would be in them. Hmm. I, weird, because... Jesus has known his, this father's love the entire, his entire existence. I mean, they're God, they're one. So there's perfect love there, right? And then we enter the picture and our love is so broken. It's so, eh. Like, for, at least from our own standards, it's like, man, if, like, if Jesus was, actually, that's a really weird analogy. Never mind. Um, I'm going to say that, yeah, we just, Maybe we just don't know how to love Jesus the way that he longs to. And let me illustrate it this way, because maybe this makes more sense. <clears throat> For most of my adult life, like, I've always wanted to be a dad. 
I've come, I came from like a pretty broken family. My dad was estranged when I was 10, so we're not very close. I've never really known what it felt like, even though people claim that like, man, my dad loved me so much. I've really never felt that, right? And so a lot of times when I like daydream, I like, or when I daydream about having kids, I don't daydream about this all the time. I daydream about it. I think, man, like when I have a kid, you know what? I'm gonna know how much God loves me. It's gonna be the moment where it's like everything changes. You know, it's gonna be the moment where I'm like, oh my God, I'm loved. And I'm never gonna struggle with this again because I have an example, right? But that is really only half of the picture. So that is still right. Don't get me wrong, like you should know, like Matt and Lydia, like you guys are gonna know the revelation of the Father's love is coming your way. <clears throat> but at the same time, and anyone who's, you know, like, wait, uh, who's, What's the word? Yeah, pregnant, expecting. Thank you, Chung. Uh, Anyone who's expecting, like, you're going to know that. But I think what is highlighted here is actually really important and something that we really need to catch if we want to be connected to, like, Jesus' heart and really loving him the right way is, you know, like, sorry, I just lost my wind. You know? Yeah, it's, it's that question of, like, how much does God the Father love Jesus? Right, what I talked about before, like from the beginning, God has wanted to glorify Jesus. He's wanted to honor him. He's wanted to exalt him. He's wanted to give him everything that he's due. Like as a parent, like I think that's everything I would dream for for my kid. Like I want them to go to good, edu- have a good education. I want them to like not date till they're 18 and get married when they're 24, maybe, I don't know. You know, I want them to like have financial blessing. I want them to have, you know, a great job, whatever. I want them to have a great house. Like this is, I mean, these are not novel ideas that we have as parents. This is what God wanted for Jesus. He wanted him to have everything that he deserved. You know, when he died, man, he earned it, right? We talk about not earning God's love, but man, Jesus earned his place. Like he didn't need to, but he did. You know, and so this is the second side of that revelation of having children that I think that dawned on me was when we have kids, we're actually going to understand how much God loves Jesus, how much the father actually loves the son. Right. We're going to understand what kind of perfect love, what it looks like and what it means. And only and what not saying only then I'm saying I'm not saying you're not going to be able to love Jesus the way that he wants to until you have kids. But I'm pretty certain that the love of the father is what like the love the father has for Jesus is the picture that we need to look for. And before it gets more confusing, let me go into this is my entire Christianity. I've thought, man, I wonder when I'll understand how much God loves me, 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 me. God so loved the world. He saved me. You know, he desires me. Even in this sermon, it's like, man, God desires me. That's awesome. That's great, you know? Um, But I think ultimately, like, Jesus is asking the Father in this moment. He's like, God, Father, I actually want them to love me the way that you love me. Like, hmm, how do we do that? I'm not perfect. I'm not God. I don't have perfect communion with Jesus. And I think what Jesus is really asking for is a perfect church. He's asking for a church in the end times, in the age to come, that's going to love him with all of her heart, who's going to not be distracted, who's going to not, you know, be impure, who's not going to compromise, who's not, who's going to be, whose love is going to be holy, who's going to be fully devoted to him, to have joy when they look into his eyes. When he leads them and says things that are offensive to the world, they're going to be like, you know what? Yes. Because that's how the Father, that's what the love between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit looks like. It's a perfect love that looks like that, you know? A people who's, who don't turn away from the leadership of Jesus, whose ears are always attuned to what he says, who reciprocate this desire to be with him always. Um, and, I, like, the reason why I bring this up and the reason why we do need to pursue and know the Father's love is that's the only way, you know? Like, what other love is like that? So all this to say, if you want to know how God really feels about you, gain insight to on how much the Father loves Jesus the Son. Don't focus solely on how much God loves you and how much like you don't you're not aware of it. Think about that first 
and let the revelation of, you know, after that, Jesus actually invited you into this relationship. And when he gave you his righteousness, he actually, the, the love of the Father was actually now directed towards you. That same love which the Father loved Jesus is now pointed at you. It even says in John 15, it says, for I have loved you with the love that, through which the Father has loved me, right? I think the problem is we try to make it about like God to me rather than the relationship that always existed reaching out to my heart and saying, I love you. You have been invited to this. This is who you are now. You're a co-heir with me. This was always the plan. And so I don't know about you, but all this to say, like, I want to love God on God's terms. I want to love him the way that he longs to be loved. You know, and to bring it back to full circle, to bring it full circle from the beginning with my story is like, this was really the answer for me. A lot of this, these ideas and thoughts, obviously, but it was really knowing like Jesus had a desire for me. When he died for you, it wasn't just because it was a good thing. It wasn't because he just pitied you. It's because he loved you. It's because in the end, he wants us all there to know him and behold him in his glory and to be with him. We're gonna be with him for eternity. I just want you to close your eyes. I just want us to respond to this just, just shortly. <laughs> I just want us to re- like think about eternity and look into like what look into Jesus's eyes. Maybe you don't know him today, but maybe he's calling out to you in this moment. You know, maybe you've been distant from him, and he's been staring at you this entire time, wondering when are you gonna look back at me? I love you. I love you. He says. You know, when are you gonna get over the fact that it's not about what you've done and what you haven't done? When are you gonna realize that? That I wanna be with you forever, forever. And everyone else who's to come, my perfect bride, I wanna be with you forever. So I want you to just do what you need to do, but I want you to respond to God in that way. I want you to look into his eyes and I want you to, I just want you to just respond to his desire. He, we love God because he loved us first. We don't have to muster up something fake. We don't have to be fake before God, but I just want us to come and pray and come and look into his eyes.